Amen, amen. You know, just as you were watching that uh, clip again this morning, who's, who's glad that we serve a king who serves us? You know, you, you hear about kings and you hear about leaders and uh, they're all about having, having the people do what they kind of dictate, especially in those days. But who's glad that our king, Jesus, came to die for us? He came and gave everything uh, for us. And it's an incredible thing that we celebrate uh, this Easter morning. So uh, welcome to church, everyone, and happy Easter Sunday. Is that what we say? Happy Good Friday. Happy Easter Sunday. Happy Easter. I uh, hope you've all had an uh, enjoyable weekend so far. Anyone had an incredible weekend so far? Yeah, enjoying the beautiful weather we've had. Uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, a special welcome to you. Uh, my name is Seth, and I am the uh, senior pastor here, and we're so pleased that you've decided to join us this Easter Sunday. And uh, we know that you're going to have a great morning here today because we have chocolate. Uh, and it's always a great morning when there's chocolate. Amen. Uh, good, not many of you said amen to that. So, you can, health, healthy Christians, good healthy Christians. Um, so as you can see, uh, the tablet's gone. I can't get it working this morning. I had problems with it on, sun, on Friday, and this morning's just completely gone. So fortunately, I bring uh, printed out notes with me as a backup. So we are good uh, this morning. Uh, but as I mentioned on Friday, uh, this morning we're going to have a look at uh, a couple of the significant things that happen through an event that took place after the crucifixion of Jesus. Because who knows, Friday wasn't the end. You know, all, all weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday, I've been hearing on, on radio, uh, you know, there's like, Sunday's coming, Sunday's coming. Um, it's like, man, you know what, Sunday's, the, the Sunday where Jesus rose from the dead has been. We celebrate that he is resurrected every day. And so, uh, you know, Sunday is coming, but we remember today, uh, that he was raised again from the cross. And so uh, we're going to have a look at what that meant uh, for us as we did on, sun, on Friday, where we looked at the cross and what that meant for our forgiveness of sins, uh, which is a good thing uh, for our redemption. Uh, we saw on Friday how through uh, one of the stops that Jesus made on his way to the cross in the washing of the feet, how in that story we get a picture of God's cleansing power as we receive uh, a life with him, because what he did, and because of his death on the cross, because of that, all our sins, all our inequities, all the debt that was owed to God by us have been washed clean, have been wiped away and removed from that ledger. And so this morning, we're going to touch on uh, what followed the three days later in a message that I've titled, The Empty Tomb. That's why we have a tomb with the rocks rolled good, eh? And so let's just pray as we get into this morning's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for uh, your son Jesus, who is uh, the ultimate teacher. Father God, who is the ultimate example. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, who is our first interpreter of your word. And Father, I pray that your spirit would move in this place to speak uh, into each of our hearts. Uh, Lord, a word in season for uh, the path that you have ahead of us. God, I pray that you would use me this morning for your purpose and for your glory. Touch our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you or a Bible app on your phone, uh, we are looking uh, at a reading out of Luke 24 and starting at verses 1 and 3. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took took the spices they had prepared 
and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And so uh, in the previous chapter of Luke, what we read about is that we've got uh, Mary and some of the other ladies, they're preparing spices to go and rub on uh, the dead body to anoint uh, the body of Jesus. And so they're on their way to do that in that morning. And instead uh, of finding the body of Jesus there, they find that the tomb uh, stone has been rolled away and that the tomb is empty. And so uh, they were taking the spices to a tomb, expecting to see the body of Jesus. What they weren't expecting to see or find was a resurrection. So that would have caught them by surprise. And so our first point this morning, as we uh, enter into this Easter Sunday message, is that the empty tomb reveals his resurrection promise. The empty tomb reveals Jesus' resurrection promise. Verse 2 says, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Now the tombstone that they had used here was, uh, it's a heavy piece of earth or a huge rock. And Jesus' tombstone was uh, especially heavy because they knew that Jesus had proclaimed he was going to rise again on the third day. And so they wanted to make absolutely sure that his disciples weren't going to be able to come along, remove the stone, and take Jesus out. So they wanted to be, they wanted to be sure that he wasn't going to be able, that the disciples weren't going to be able to kind of fake this kind of resurrection of Jesus. And so it was a heavy, heavy tombstone. Uh, that was around Jesus' tomb. And in Matthew, we read, in Matthew 28, verse 2, we read that it says that the tombstone was moved by an earthquake. So it would have taken, a, it would have taken an earthquake to kind of move. The picture that we're getting is that it would have taken an earthquake to move the stone that they'd placed there. And so though uh, the stone was movable, though it was possible to do, it was very difficult even for a group to go in and do it. It goes on to say in verse 3 that they didn't find Jesus' body there because the tomb was empty. And so verses 1 through to 3, where the, the, the women are going to, uh, to anoint the body of Jesus through to when they find the tomb empty, we see uh, the first sighting of Jesus and the empty tomb that indicates that the resurrection has occurred. That was the first we read of Jesus uh, being risen again. A resurrection that Jesus proclaimed, uh, as we're going to get to in the coming verses, and a resurrection that was prophesied all through Scripture by the prophets. And so the woman come to anoint Jesus' body, uh, only to find the stone has been rolled away and the body is gone. And so we read on in Luke 24, verses 4 and 5, about the woman that while while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? So naturally, they were expecting one thing. They got something else, and these women are kind of confused about what's going on, and they're trying to work out, well, what, what, what happened here? You know, as Robert read in our uh, opening this morning, you know, they were weeping, saying that, thinking that someone had taken, uh, taken the body away. And so we assume that uh, these two men that they're talking to are angels because of their shining garments description, and they ask a very revealing question of the woman in verse 5. 
Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for Jesus who is alive today? Why are you looking for Jesus who is not at this gravesite? And so the angels are announcing and they're confirming again uh, to these women that Jesus is alive again and that their anointing for a dead body is not needed. That's pretty cool, eh? And so our second point this morning is that the empty tomb means there is a new life. The empty tomb is a reminder that there is new life. Jesus has risen again. You know, when we go through the waters of baptism, um, as we do, what, what we do in declaring that public faith before man represents the three aspects of the Easter story that we see in the cross, in his death, and then in the empty tomb. When we come into the waters of baptism, we're declaring uh, our faith and salvation in the cross of Jesus. Before man, that's how we declare publicly that we are followers of Jesus, that we've received Jesus. When we go under the waters of baptism, we declare the death and the burial of our former self, of our old stuff, of our sin. We declare that publicly uh, before men. And we also declare, as we heard on Friday, the cleansing of our bodies, the cleansing of our spirits because of what Jesus did. And then as we're coming out of the waters of baptism, we're acknowledging that we are a new being in Christ. Amen? That we have a new life. We acknowledge that we are a new person and that we are a new creation in Jesus. You see, because Jesus has uh, risen and the tomb is empty, there is new life for all who choose to receive and follow him. There is new life for all who choose to receive and to follow him. And it's not a life that's exempt from struggle, as we all know, and pain. But it is a life that's full of promise and hope. And most importantly, that's full with the presence of God. Presence that counsels, a presence that comforts, a presence the presence that brings peace and wisdom through the struggles as we go through life. And so a new life that is found in Jesus that comes through the death and resurrection means that we no longer have to look to our old self. We no longer have to look to old understanding. We no longer have to look to old thinking and to old things that we used to put our trust in to get by in life. Because now our new life comes with a new hope and with a new purpose that has a godly solution for everyday living. How cool is that? We have a new life with a new hope and a new purpose for godly solutions for everyday living. Biblical solutions that come out as we look to Christ our King. You know, it's a renewed way of living. It's a renewed way of thinking. And it's a God-perspective way of walking through life. And we need only to step into it. Now, Jesus says in John 10, verses 9 to 10, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved 
and will go in and out and find pasture. A thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that they may have life abundantly. Amen. Now, this is, the, this is the renewed life in the hands of an almighty God and an everlasting Father in the hands of Christ, the Son, and the King of kings. That is the new life that we receive because of what Jesus did over 2,000 years ago at the cross. And so my encouragement this morning is to open your hearts to God as he pours in new wine into your new life. I don't know about you, but I'm always itching for new wine from God, for a new measure of His grace, for a new measure of His peace, for a new measure of His, His, His patience and of His love. So let's open our hearts to God as He pours in new wine into our new life each day. Receive it from Him, be changed by Him, and walk in him. So three actions. Receive it, allow him to change you and transform you, and then walk with him. The passage continues uh, with the angel saying to the woman in Luke 24 verses 6 and 8. They say, he is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And so in verse 6, the angels uh, declaring that Jesus has risen. He reminds the woman of what Jesus said uh, while he was on earth and uh, the predictions that he made about his own death and his own resurrection. And then in, and uh, he, he's kind of just, you know, bringing to light again what Jesus was proclaiming about himself when he was on earth. You know, in Matthew 20, verse 19, Jesus predicts his death uh, multiple times. The third time he predicts it, he says that he would be mocked, he would be flogged and crucified, and on the third day, he would be raised to life. How wrong were those people? To think that they could kill Jesus and put him to death, when Jesus had told them that all these things would happen, and then on the third day, he'd be raised to life. And so our final point this morning is that the empty tomb shows a victory of faith. Now, we celebrate Jesus' victory over death. We celebrate Jesus' victory over the grave this morning. And get this, it's a victory that we as children of God are the beneficiaries of. How amazing is that? We are the beneficiaries of the victory at the cross. And so we celebrate that as his followers. Now in Isaiah 25, verses 7 and 8, it says, On this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. This is back in the Old Testament prophesying about Jesus. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. 
And so at Easter, Satan's apparent victory at the Garden of Eden, when he tricked Adam and Eve, and he thought he'd won. And his apparent victory at the cross, when he thought that he'd put Jesus to death. All undone. Get this, Satan's plan null and void because of what Jesus has done. Satan's barriers over your life, null and void because of the victory of Jesus at the cross. Null and void because church, the tomb is empty and Jesus has risen. Hallelujah. The final victory was won by Jesus at Easter. You know, I love 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54-57. Where in this passage we read about the fulfillment of that psalm, which we've just had. It when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortal. Let me paraphrase that for us this morning. When the fragile, broken, not good enough to save themselves human race has been clothed with the grace and the love and the glory of an eternal God, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed in victory. goes on to say in verse 55, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through the Lord Jesus Christ. The empty tomb is a victory given to us through Jesus to save us from the punishment of sin and death and to enable and empower us towards a righteous way of living, a new life, a new way of living, a life of loving God and loving people more intently and more earnestly as God commands us to. And so as we kind of celebrate what's happened on good, good Sunday, good Friday, Sunday, good Sunday morning, we also give thanks to God who has given us victory through Jesus. We give thanks to God for resurrection power. And we give thanks to God for an empty tomb. You know, if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't want to give you the opportunity to receive him today. Because Jesus' resurrection was for you, was for your salvation. It was for your life that you may be reconciled to the Father God in heaven. And I want to tell you this 
victory was won for you, to bring you new life, to bring you abundant life. And when I say you, I mean you. So if you'd like to begin a journey discovering this victory in Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity by inviting you to pray a prayer, inviting him into your life, and by opening your heart in surrender to him. So while every eye is closed and every head is bowed, why don't you pray this prayer this morning? Not to anyone else, not to me, but to God in heaven and to our Lord Jesus. We just pray, dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and that I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sin. I invite you to come into my heart and into my life. God, I thank you that the tomb is empty. I thank you that because of that, there is new life. And I want to trust and follow you in that new life to serve you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, just as the team come this morning. Uh, if you